You are listening to the Super Freak Media Podcast Network. If you like this podcast, please be sure to show your support and follow us on our other social media platforms. Check out the links listed in the description of this episode to find out more. Thank you. I, I shuddered. Yeah, so I shuddered cool. when I watched it. It was the feet for me. It was yeah, the feet for so me. Cool. <laughs> the toenails are just, yeah, something, something else. Grace Jones's toenails were not what I expected to see when I was watching this. <laughs> Welcome to the Their Queer Podcast, the podcast where two homos called Liam delve into the world of horror. They go to a weird club, meet Grace Jones, and then, I don't know, crawl into the sewers. Why not? I mean, every Saturday night for me, to be honest. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Happy Pride Month. This is another Pride special episode that we've got coming your way. Gay rights! And we have an absolutely amazing guest with us here on this episode. So we're we're joined by the incredible Bright Light, Bright Light. All the way from sunny New York. Uh, Well, it looks sunny from here. Or maybe it's Mm. just a very well-lit apartment. (laughs) No, it is. It's very sunny. Yeah, we've um, we've had a good couple of days of weather it feels like summer at the moment which is really nice thank you so so much for hopping on this podcast with us and for joining us on pride month as well it's it's very much appreciated oh you're very welcome it's great to to sit down and chat with you and i'm excited that we are going to be talking about vamp because Mm -hmm. both me and you liam we hadn't actually seen this film before it was suggested really exactly i don't know how we'd missed it you sent a killer list over by the way when we asked for for choices so i think we might just work our way through those on our own i think you should honestly they're so much fun (laughs) i mean sort of like the the camp cheesy but very um satisfying horror is like my very specific niche genre of film that i tend to watch the decision was made when i looked at the cast and i saw grace (laughs) jones and i was like okay the decision has been made grace jones that'll be the choice I guess kicking things off, obviously, if there is anyone out there who doesn't know too much about what you do and your music career, I'd love for us to have a chat about that for for the first part of this episode. So I think both me and you, Liam, we got into your music rod at at different sort of times. I think I very much got into your music and knowing the the streams and stuff that you were doing through lockdown, which Mm -hmm. I will say... Thank you so, so much for getting oh. me through lockdown because <laughs> those Saturday nights were a lot easier when we uh, we were listening to yourself. But you, Liam, you, you actually saw Rod at a gig way back when. Yeah, so I was trying to get my mum to find the gig ticket in the attic back at my mum's house. But it turns out, Rod, that in 2012, I happened to see you support the Sisters in London. Oh, right, um, yeah, the Roundhouse. And that was a crazy night for a start for me. It was the first time I managed to get to see them uh, after years of wanting to see them. Mm-hmm. And it was an incredible night. And then, like, when you came on stage afterwards, I was, like, turning around to my friends and I was like, please remind me afterwards to, to search this musician up where, whenever <laughs> wherever I can. So, as I said, I'm not going to gush too much. But thank you so much for the incredible work that you do. 
Um, oh, well, thank you for listening to it. You know, it's nothing without the audience. So, In particular as well, there is a song of yours that does mean a lot to me. So I work for an LGBT plus charity mm-hmm. and a lot of the lyrical content of some of your work as well resonates a lot to a lot of people. Like I've been, I have been bragging to a, quite a few people this week about, <laughs> about today and quite a few people have been jealous, both staff and service users alike. So, yeah. <laughs> No, it's a it's a huge deal. I mean, if, if we're talking about obviously, so so you got into to Wod's work then um, through the Scissor Sisters gig. I mean, you've you've collaborated with some incredible people. I know. I mean, I kind of knew obviously from from speaking with you and, and such before. But Elton John, Scissor mm-hmm. Sisters, Erasure, mm-hmm. uh, Ellie Golding. You you were you were supporting on on a tour there. Mm-hmm. You were on the same bill as Kylie Minogue at Hyde Park. Yep. I mean. Is there anyone that you haven't collaborated with that that's, uh, that you'd absolutely love to? Because that's that's a bloody good list. Yeah, it's a really wild list. Um, Kate Bush, I would love to. Oh, yes. Um, Björk, I would love to. I mean, there's like a there's a wildly long list of people that I would love to. But I will say, like you know, I never expected to collaborate with even one of these people. So I'm pretty chuffed that I managed to get like the the kind of resume that I have of people <laughs> that I've worked with people. People have been extremely kind, extremely generous with their talents, and um, it's definitely made my life a lot richer and a lot more, you know, rewarding having worked with all these amazing people. The elephant in the room would have to be, how is Cher? Fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous. She's really nice. She, she looks wildly young in real life, which is uh, fascinating, really. You know, it, like mm. she's, they don't make people like her, Elton, Bet, Liza, Barbara anymore like people aren't really like just bona fide stars I don't think and like they Mm. there is something different about them from regular people you know I've met so many different celebrities in in the various years that I've been doing music and everyone from like you know Khalees to Johnny Knoxville to John Waters to Elton John to Cher to like you know Ellie Goulding and Marina and the Diamonds and like there's just something different about Cher Elton, those kind of people mm-hmm. where they just they are just different from from <laughs> everyday people. They really are and they're amazing. They're so nice as well. People in that world, once they've achieved their dreams, I suppose, or their ambitions, and they're just still continuing to make music that they love or to perform in ways that they do, there's no attitude, there's no rivalry, there's no like needless um drama, I don't think. Mm-hmm. And they're just Good. They just treat people well. If it's, it's amazing. So I do have a another question to ask because you've got a very close relationship with a personal hero of mine in Alan Cummings, mm-hmm. and also we both share <laughs> a mutual love for the greatest film ever created, Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion. Yes. <laughs> a, a masterpiece. What inspired you to start off the the lockdown recordings that were happening at the time? I really wanted to do a daytime party in New York. Um, they're quite popular here. I know it's not really a thing in the UK, but there's a lot of daytime Sunday, specifically Sunday parties, mm. um, which are like three till eight or two till seven or, you know, four till whatever. And I really like the idea of like doing something in the day and then being free either side of it to see people or see a bit of daylight. And most of my friends were doing them on Sunday afternoon. So I thought I'd do it on a Saturday so that I could still go to my friends' parties. And I thought it was a nice way to do something community-based where it's like 
anyone and everyone is welcome. In the daytime, it means like people who have kids can come, people who don't drink can come and not yeah. feel particular pressure to to drink. And people who work in nightlife can also come because I obviously struggle to attend events sometimes when I'm uh, performing them mm. a lot um, and miss out on a lot of, of really cool things. And it just felt like a, a fun, stupid thing to do. And I was like, what would I call it? And I was like, well, obviously... I'm obsessed with Romy <laughs> Michelle, so I themed it around that, but then used the idea of people making song requests on post-it notes mm, to yeah. one sort of like make people feel that they could be involved in the curation of the party. And it, it's like, it's f- more fun to come when you feel like you can maybe hear your favorite song as weird or yeah. wonderful as it might be, but also like cunningly to get people to meet new people. So I see people going to the request while I'm making requests and talking to the people as they see what everyone else is writing. So yeah. it was like a way for me to get people to introduce themselves to each other without making like a quote unquote mixer. And I have seen people make friends at the parties and then go out together and, you know, make art together and run events together. And it's made me feel really proud that I can do something to help nurture a little community in a city, which is very transient. And a lot of people come here without a big group of friends. So there were a lot of reasons for doing the party. Most of all, I think probably so I could play the opening song from Death Becomes Her in a, in a bar and have people yes, sing and dance. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it, it's funny that you obviously say about one of the things that you wanted to do was kind of bring people together. Because, I mean, I will say, even through your streams on Instagram uh, every week through lockdown, I'm still in touch with the two Vickies who I believe oh, amazing. you're good yes, friends they're, with. They're iconic. Um, absolutely, <laughs> they are. I mean, we definitely need a Venger Boys reunion at some point. So shout out to the two Vickies. And also, so, uh, Luca Alcatz, who I believe uh, is in uh, New yeah. York. And yeah, does, they come to the parties quite a lot. Of events. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, just the fact that I've been able to meet more queer people through mm-hmm. your like live streams and stuff is is insane. And also mm. kind of gotten to know you, your work, what you do. And I, I, I find it amazing. I think it's, it's a really, really cool thing that you're doing. Aside from obviously the music side of stuff, I know you are a very active member of the queer community in mm-hmm. terms of activism fundraising mm-hmm. i know that you've you've raised thousands of dollars for things such as the trevor project so mm-hmm. is that something that you find as important i suppose as the the music side of things you want to kind of give back to the community as much as making new music i'm just shocked when people don't want to mm. i don't understand the point of of being so inert you know mm-hmm. like there's a lot of pop stars with huge platforms that really just give nothing back and it's really disappointing to see a very easy win for the community when somebody who has a huge platform can really like shine a light on people that are like struggling to find their feet. Like, you know, partly playing it forward because Elton did that for me and he really didn't have to, he didn't need to. There was no benefit to him for giving me as much time and as much platform as he did just because he liked what I was doing. And if I see people whose work I like, I share it. And if there's people who have songs, I'll put it on a playlist if I, you know, if I like it and, if there's a charity I can help, I will, and I'll try and donate. So it was never a question to me, like, would I not bother using my platform to do something for other people? Like, I might as well just die. <laughs> That's no. the end of the podcast, yeah. <laughs> I mean, with this this month being Pride Month then, have you, mm-hmm. have you got much planned? Is there much on the schedule? I, I imagine it's going to be a busy time for you. Yeah, it's pretty chocker with, like, 
DJ sets and live gigs and oh god just so many things there's a, there's a really every year in June it kind of explodes and it's always really fun but extremely exhausting I can imagine but it's different here as well because pride month doesn't really exist here. you just have like pride season so the, the prides are quite staggered in the states yeah so there's like New York and LA I think is June and then there's something in July last year Boise pride was September November was Palm Springs Pride so there's it's kind of like much more spread out which is good because obviously you can't do them all in one go no. um, it, there's, it there's keeps you busy it's well, kind of it's kind of like that in Derbyshire where I am I mean nowhere around here wants to keep Pride on the same day so from June up until the end of September I have a Pride every month multiple wow. in some months <laughs> so it's it's so it's so busy especially when people do want to stagger it out and i understand why i mean mm. um derby has the latest pride in the uk and it's um september so it's right. good it's good that i have all that time to plan it but yeah. also at the same <laughs> time it's like yeah. it's not until october where i can just go oh okay yeah <laughs> i'm done now yeah. i'm done now absolutely the aside from the fact that you dj you you're an amazing artist and re- releasing music and albums i mean i don't think i know many people who release as much music as mm-hmm. you do it you work hard insert donna summer clip here <laughs> i i know also as well obviously more recently you've found success with tiktok and these mashups that you're doing it's fun yeah i mean i I was making them anyway and wasn't really doing much with them. And I always, my my brain is kind of like a music encyclopedia. So I'm always like <laughs> making these weird connections. And my, my friend who is amazing, she is a marketing expert and she worked on my last couple of albums with me to help out, you know, getting them beyond where they were. Mm. Um, and she was just saying, she's a big advocate of TikTok for like artists, especially artists that are like independent and who maybe don't understand how that can like connect the dots with people. Yeah. And she suggested maybe trying out some of the mashups and they seem to have worked, you know, to a to a point. And it has been fun. It's you know, it's social media is exhausting. <laughs> I'm glad you said it. <laughs> it's it's really exhausting. But it has been quite nice in, uh, you know, a, a period of years that have been pretty drab mm. to have like a little outlet, which is more fun than work focused, I guess. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, you can tell that you're having fun with them. Uh, there's uh, there's a fair few that I absolutely uh, love mm. and wouldn't have thought to like mash these two mm-hmm. two together, but they work work so well. I know that you have an incredible vinyl collection as well. Uh, yes. I'm absolutely envious of your vinyl collection, <laughs> and also obviously a big portion of that. And I've noticed kind of around Halloween time, you will share some of your horror soundtracks that yes. that particularly tickle your fancy. Is there a, a soundtrack in particular that you absolutely? hold higher than than any others there's a lot i mean the clue soundtrack i think is amazing oh, i listen to that a lot um hellraiser is incredible nightmare on elm street all of that series is amazing uh friday the 13th there's some really cool installations in that in that franchise that have really good soundtracks lots of like old italian horror films i have incredible scores yeah. blood and black lace is one that has mm. this amazing um score i think carlos rossicelli i think his name is there's just so many I, I think the horror genre really did benefit from these like wildly elaborate and beautiful scores that people just forget existed yeah 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 it's a it's an amazing genre for music if people want to like have a little listen i think i have a playlist i think on my spotify page of scores that i love so 
Definitely get, need to go and check that out now. To, well, to that's be honest, though, <laughs> an incredible segue into vamp action because one mm. of the one of the highlights of watching this film for me uh, was the score. So good. Uh, in particular, the scene where AJ is being seduced by Grace Jones. Um, yes. the, the, the pounding drums that happen in that, you can only yeah. find in 80s films that sound mm. just so gorgeous. For anybody who hasn't watched Vamp, I mean, I, I'm, I'm ashamed to say now that I was... <laughs> I was one of them. We if both you, were. We both fell yeah. down the team on this one, I think. I usually take the reins with this, but Liam, if you could give a brief overview of them. Oh, God. Okay, so it, basically we, we're following two two characters at the start. We've got Keith and AJ who are tasked with finding a stripper for the night to be basically indoctrinated into this fraternity house. And... I don't know. I have my own interpretations of where this film goes and potentially what could happen, but they go on a, they go on a certain road trip to what I believe is, is LA and they find this seedy looking club that's advertised with Grace Jones's mug and they go, yeah, that's, that's the place to go. We're going to find a stripper here to take back to the, to the guys. I mean, and if you're going to go anywhere, it's anywhere with Grace Jones's face. I mean, because what a face. Absolutely. Just, mm-hmm. just iconic. And yeah, basically they, they head to this club and find out that all is not what it seems. The strippers are indeed vampires <laughs> with Grace Jones being at the head of that that wonderful <laughs> wonderful crew the film is is absolutely bizarre it's bonkers i mean <laughs> from the way that it's lit the way that it looks like you said the score the the casting i mean grace jones i think is is a very surreal figure anyway and particularly in the 80s when she was at her peak here i think it, it, it was it's just i don't know it's a combination of a lot of weird things happening but just in the right way so i personally uh, had quite a fun time with it i'm curious to know though rod how did you how did you first find out about vamp did you watch this quite young or yeah i watched it as a child with my parents no um, way <laughs> yeah i don't i and i like i it, i must have been very young because i actually thought that grace Jones was a vampire yeah um yeah. <laughs> yeah i watched it very very young and uh it kind of stuck with me i thought it was amazing i thought it was super cool very, very scary but like obviously when you grow up you realize it's just very camp and it's very fun mm, yeah. and pokes fun at a lot of the genre traditions and has gone on to influence lots of films beyond its uh, beyond its moment. Yeah, a- absolutely. I think it's funny that you said, obviously, I think, you know, if we'd have watched this, Liam, maybe when we were a lot younger, particularly the transformation that Grace Jones oh, my has, days. Yeah. I think I would have found that genuinely terrifying. I thought the, the design on the makeup for a transformation was absolutely like, I shouldered. Yeah, so <laughs> I shuddered cool. when I watched it. It was the feet for me. It was yeah, the feet so cool. <laughs> the toenails were just, yeah, something, <laughs> something else. Grace Jones's toenails were not what I expected to see mm-hmm. when I was watching this. But, um, yeah, I mean, the makeup design, I think I was always under the impression because I'd seen this iconic image of Grace Jones with the, the red hair and the white yeah. face. Um, I, I was always under the impression that she was wearing kind of like some skin suit or like leotard no. or something. I had no idea that Keith Haring body oh, painted her my God. and it, this was literally just her I mean just goddess she's incredible gentlemen I give you Katrina I knew enough to you know that like 
that meme that goes around of Leo DiCaprio pointing at the screen. <laughs> yeah. That was me when I saw the chair that she's like mm-hmm. dancing yes. on on stage. Cause I was like, that's, that looks like a Keith Haring design. And then saw it. And then after looking, turns out that that chair was modeled after Dolph Lundgren. Okay. It makes so sense. Makes sense. When she's like, when she's like sitting on a chair and putting her head in a lap and shaking it, I was like, that makes complete sense now. I'd probably be doing the same. Um, <laughs> Dolph in the 80s was like... Chef's mm-hmm. kiss, chef's yeah. kiss. I believe they dated actually for a while. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they were involved, I'm sure. So, I mean, yeah, it's it's an incredibly weird film. I mean, looking at the people who were involved, I mean, we were, we were speaking before we started recording, Lee, and we've got the director, Richard Wenk, who's then gone on to write the equalizer films the mechanic the magnificent seven reboot i mean and also the expendables 2 screenplay so he's definitely Bonkers. gone in a very <laughs> different yeah. direction yeah, yeah very strange compared to to this quite <laughs> camp uh debut i don't know have either of you seen the short film that kind of pre came before vamp uh, it's... i haven't i haven't known so i will say what's it called it's Dracula takes a bite of the big apple i believe um, oh, no. and it's essentially Dracula travels from Transylvania over to New York. The, the the shorts on YouTube. It was made in 1979, and it's it's just absolutely hilarious. He comes over by uh, airplane, and everyone mm-hmm. leaves the airplane basically touching their neck, and then he comes out with a cape on, and it's mm-hmm. just. I mean, it's high camp. It's it's brilliant. It also features a discofied version of Dancing in the Moonlight, which I'm sure both of you mm-hmm. would appreciate quite a lot. I get it almost every night And when that old moon gets big and bright It's a supernatural delight Everybody is dancing in the moonlight I would have loved, I think, if if it had have kind of been a bit more like that, like Vamp had have been a bit more quirky in, in its mm. humour. I suppose this is me coming at it from a British angle. I suppose it is very kind of silly isn't it in in a lot of ways do you know what i miss though about the 80s and i mean this film had it in spades is like literally the the design of everything like Mm. the sets everything looked like it had texture and i know that we had this really garish like pink and green light everywhere which yeah yeah, didn't make sense anywhere in the film i mean even in the sewers there was like neon lighting but (laughs) i i lived for it i thought it was incredible but i don't know it's like the, even the logo design, like I love, I, I always say this pretty much every episode, a good title sequence. Oh, my days, yeah. It m- reminded me a little bit of the Fright Night logo, but I think it was done like, it's, I don't know. It's, it's the it's, fact, it's, it's the lipstick that makes the, it. It's the Rocky lipstick. Horror meets yeah. Fright Night in the logo. Yeah. It's just, yeah, well, I, did, I did draw, uh, to be honest, I did draw a few parallels with this and Fright Night, not to throw it yeah. back to our first episode, uh, plug, plug, plug. <laughs> Available um, where all good podcasts <laughs> are found. But um, yeah, the relationship between Keith and AJ does harken back to the relationship between Evil Ed and yeah. sexy, sexy, weirdo. Charlie Brewster. Charlie Brewster. Absolutely. Mm. No, I, I do see the, the parallels between the two. I would argue that I think Fight Night does the whole thing a bit more successfully in terms yeah. of the tropes and, and things it's, it's trying to play with. I did have a, a really, really good time with the film and I, I did see where it has influenced other films going forward. So you mentioned, obviously, Rod, I think we've got to talk about Dusk Till Dawn as well, maybe, as maybe being a film that I think definitely kind of owes a lot to to vamp yeah a lot of people say that that owes a lot to vamp which is kind of just interesting to see like a little very minor box office hit influence something that went on to become Mm -hmm. like a a a huge uh film buffs 
dream, mm. I suppose. But like, yeah. I don't know. I think like there's something really special about Vamp with like the cast are kind of like very strange, but really cool. And it has like, you know, yeah. it's all, it's like an almost superstar movie. It's like, you know, Dee Dee Pfeiffer, not Michelle Pfeiffer, but it also has <laughs> Grace Jones, who was like an absolute icon, but like didn't sell that many records, like honestly in yeah. her career, yeah. but everyone knew who she was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Gedi Watanabe is amazing. And obviously he was in like the um, John Hughes films. Mm-hmm. Um, Robert Ruster is like such a oh. heartthrob. I think he's so f***ing hot. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, 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 he is. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I think one thing that needs to be mentioned is how much of a homosexual AJ is. I Do mean, you reckon? At one point, he says the line, we're not in Kansas anymore. Now, friend of Dorothy. Right friend there. of Dorothy. <laughs> and also, like, that fight scene. Uh, who's thought in a fight is to grab a man by the bollock like <laughs> he I grabs mean, snow by the snowballs so I mean, there's definitely a pun there that's that is something i think during a fight but that's only because of how turned on i am do you, um, you want to get in a fight with aj is that what you're saying <laughs> yeah <laughs> also serious question now okay do we think kate keith and aj have explored each other's bodies i think so i mean mm. definitely the scene where aj obviously realizes he's a blood-sucking fiend mm-hmm. and wants to be taken out and he's like stake me stake me mm-hmm. uh, he does say he does declare his undying love for keith i love you keith but all i can see right now is food and i'm starving okay why don't you take what you need for now I- you know, to get you through? <laughs> That's too much. And you're so nice. Do I look like a mosquito? No. I can't be trusted, buddy. <laughs> you're ready to die for me, aren't you? You would, because you can't believe that I'm not me anymore. That maybe there's something left, huh? Jesus Christ, maybe there is. But also, Keith, as a protagonist name, very, very weird. I've got a a conspiracy theory. Okay, hit me with it. So obviously, Keith Haran did the designs during this. Like, we've got Grace Jones' body paint and the incredible chair in the strip club. I reckon that's how they paid Keith Haran, because they had no money. Do you reckon that was it? Yeah, they ran out of budget, so we'll we'll (laughs) just name a character character after you. Yeah, we'll call the main character Keith. Very weird name choice, but it does make sense when you say that, so... Conspiracy theory confirmed. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> it's a, it's a really wild film. Really, really interesting and like just such a strange piece. But I, I love it. It's it's really enjoyable. It's really like delicious. I think like the mm-hmm. color schemes are really amazing. Like the set design is Absolutely. really really cool. The plot is you know by the by. I think I could look at this film all day. It's a gorgeous film to look at. But also you know it was. It's a lot of fun. Like, if you want a mm. film to put on in the background while you're doing something and occasionally <laughs> look up, and, and not to say that I'm not saying it's boring wow. by any means, but you can have it. It's one of those films that really works well. If you've seen it a couple of times, have that in the background yeah. um, while you're doing things because you know which moments you want to look up for. I for think any time Grace Jones is on screen, you I mean, look. obviously, yeah. Anytime she's not on screen, you can probably get away with I don't know, missing a bit of what happens in the plot. Unless <laughs> unless AJ's on screen. Being AJ in those tight, skimpy little black shorts. Yes. Yeah. Very welcome. It's not like you can't follow it. It just there are some odd choices like yeah. never really knowing DD Pfeiffer's character's name until the end. Like I, I don't yeah. really understand why that was such a big <laughs> plot point, but <laughs> why not? 
and yeah. the, I've gotten my notes at one point I'm, and it was about the bra strap and I was like I really hope this pays off because I'm sick of them mentioning or paying attention to this bra <laughs> strap that constantly is falling down so it weird just, it, it went nowhere yeah. it absolutely <laughs> yeah. went nowhere I think tonally it reminded me a lot of the the Blob remake and also Night of the Comet which I think this film is like smack bang in the middle of like years it does wise. yes I would say it is in line with like Night of the Comet it's that sort of like post-apocalyptic feel the pacing of it is very similar mm-hmm. yeah um, for sure you know and also something like Chopping Mall as well if you've ever oh, seen that which incredible. I adore mm-hmm. um, the pacing of it is like mild It's it goes quite rapidly between glacial and then frantic yes and yeah. you know there's nowhere in between but it's kind of just really fun to watch and like not think too much about it and just let it happen this is like a film of the 80s but Mm. I do also feel like it's very much a film that would work well if it was maybe remade I I, I always mm. talk about a remake in Mm. any of these and I mean like if we think about like this film in particular to be remade now you don't really get like we do have some artsy like because if this film was being made now you know it'd be one of those pretentious art house films yeah um but they would still like for the lead they would want some kind of like heartthrob yeah Absolutely. Especially, I think, in AJ's role in particular, because he was the hunk. I mean, Robert Russell was, like, the horror movie hunk. He was the shit, Um, yeah. yeah, Well, he kind of still is, I'm not going to lie. I mean, have you seen the the Scream Queen documentary? He's he's still looking fine. (laughs) (laughs) He is. Uh, I believe he was, was he in Jacob's Wife as well? Anyway, I um, it's not a... That Jacob's Wife, the design of Barbara Crampton's character, did did very much have some now elements of Grace it, yeah. Jones. I, I think I saw a picture of the two earlier but, today, side by side, and I was like, I get that. I get that. I think it's the hair. Yeah. If we're thinking, like, they'd get some, like, kind of, like, actually heartthrob in to be AJ's role. I'm thinking along the lines of, who are they casting at the moment in that role? I, I said it before in a previous podcast, but Jacob Elordi, who, mm-hmm. uh, from Euphoria, he seems to be, like, white boy of the month at the moment. Uh, KJ Apper's another one. KJ um, Apper, I could see working quite well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, mainly, I only know him from Riverdale, and Riverdale, I don't speak highly of. This isn't a Riverdale podcast, and it never will. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't even know what's going on with Riverdale anymore. I nah. mean, the last I, I, I s- saw, they were going into superhero territory. So oh, just good like... lord, good lord. Wow. Um, so, okay, so you've got the casting down for 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 those that that well, those characters, one, maybe one. But if they were to cast this nowadays, the the one. The one person they would have to nail is Katrina, um, because if you're watching Vamp, like if you if I was to rewatch this film, the only reason why I'd be rewatching it is because I'd want to see Grace Jones again, and yeah. that role was the starring role. And obviously, the only person who could fit that bill, if we're talking like nowadays, it would be the one and only Kelly Rowland. Um, <laughs> I yeah. knew you were going to sneak it in there somewhere. I mean, absolutely. Even- I mean, the only issue there that we have is it's a silent role. How we'd have to get a. <laughs> How would she scream Freddy across the strip club? Yeah. Gentlemen, I give you. Freddy! That's, that's one thing that we're going to have to sort out. So if we start working on the screenplay now, um, yeah. I'd have to find a way for her to be able to either comment on somebody's attire in quite an inflammatory way or to be able to shout Freddy 
quite loud. So yeah. I think that works. I think that works. Like I said, I think this film's definitely ripe for a remake and who better than Kelly Rowland to be? Uh, to be, be fair, that? to be fair, one of a person they could get in for it is they've already gone to the shallow end of the five for talent gene pool. Oh, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe they could go to the deep end and get the greatest actress in the world who is Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it is a shame, isn't it? <laughs> It's yeah. a shame. I mean, I, I mean, no shade, but like that's like comparing chalk and cheese. Isn't it, really? <laughs> Mich- I, I, I will go down on record and say I think Michelle Pfeiffer is the greatest actress we've. I thought you were going to say we were going to go down on Michelle Pfeiffer. Then I, was <laughs> I, like, mean, I mean, <laughs> it, it's just a bizarre, bizarre movie. Yeah, something for everyone to ponder. Yeah. One thing that really got me that really bought me out of it, but it's only because the makeup design on Billy Drago was incredible. He plays Snow. The the albino looking person i thought it was tilda swinton for like a good <laughs> a good 10 minutes and then well, I was there's like, nothing saying it wasn't tilda swinton you know like <laughs> i feel I, like sometimes i feel like my cat is tilda swinton i feel like she's kind of yeah. she can do anything and you've never seen these people in the same place it really wouldn't surprise me if she if she played like a fork in a film you know like <laughs> a piece of cutlery she can do anything she wants I think that yeah. definitely needs to happen at some point. Billy Drago terrified me in this film. I was more scared he of him very, than anyone else. He was very, very scary, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, while we're talking about the the albino gang, uh, can we also just talk about the absolutely incredible moment with the little girl? Because <gasps> oh, no. I've got to say, <laughs> I've got to say that was probably absolutely my favourite bit. I mean, I love so Grace good. Jones, but that little girl... <laughs> Yeah, just attacking this man was. It's when she's attached to the arm, <laughs> yeah, and she's been swung around like Miss Trunchable swinging a man the strip around yeah. by her pigtails. It's amazing. Aside from the two main characters, who I think yeah could be argued as as gay, I, I must. There's got to be a shout out for my absolute favourite character as well. I absolutely loved Duncan. I mean, oh R.I.P. Duncan. Yeah. <laughs> absolute angel, Duncan. All he wanted was a friggin' friend for a week. I mean, the fact he literally begs and says, pretend to be my friend for a oh, week, that's, that's all I need. And the, the poor guy, they leave him just on his own for pretty much the entire yeah. film just to get drunk. And then the reveal when he's also a blood-sucking fiend is just it's kind of heartbreaking i love as well the fact when the car bursts into flames (laughs) you just hear his his burnt body just go (laughs) guys no guys (laughs) (laughs) it absolutely ruined me i was like that i mean i think that's where the comedy comes into play in this film i don't think it's Mm. scary at all no it's a lot of fun I think if I'd have watched it when I was a kid, I'd have been scared. But I'd, yeah. yeah, it's a comedy film with horror elements, not a yeah. horror comedy. And it's and it's and it's not also your typical slapsticky humor or anything. This is it's quite a dark comedy, to be fair. <laughs> there, there were there were a good few scenes that I enjoyed and absolutely just laughed at completely. Like probably like a deep belly laugh. Probably didn't need to laugh as hard as I did. I think there's the scene with Grace Jones getting it at the end and then the skeleton mm. just giving the middle finger and then That's, a, that's how I want to go. That's Loved how I want to go. Absolutely. Um, also, uh, also the scene where they go to escape and they're like, <laughs> thank God for public transport and then they get on and then he's like, let's bus. <laughs> just a fanged bus driver. Absolutely uh. made me made me howl. A lot of, of weird moments like that piece together i think i wish if i'm being honest that the whole film was that consistent i do think yeah. it, it kind of ebbs and flows it's a lot of peak and valleys with with the comedy but when it works it works at this yes. film 
it well, is. I read something really fun that I think really heightens this movie. Um, so they ran out of money quite early on and they couldn't afford <laughs> to outfit Grace Jones. So Grace just got in touch with all of her designer friends and was like, please make me some outfits. So That is incredible. Yeah, I've read a few things that Grace has said about this and I watched uh, the segment that's on In Search of Darkness Part 2. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about how she were the makeup she wore was inspired by Blade Runner and the wig, which now makes a lot of sense. Yeah, but also, um, yeah. she she watched Nosferatu quite a lot to inform her character <laughs> in this. To hear her speak about how she wanted to, it was her choice to remain silent throughout the whole film because she well, wanted to channel. This completely threw me. I had no idea. Like obviously, the the whole film's marketed around Grace Jones, and she yeah. isn't in it all that much. I mean. <laughs> the part she's in she steals the show but yeah to see that she didn't speak really at all was kind of crazy uh, i mean obviously we spoke in the buffy episode about how impactful silence can be in 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 one of the episodes there i think if if she had have spoken i think it might not have been as as good to be fair i mm. think she mm. just her yeah, line being animalistic and her movements yeah. and unless she borrowed her lines from another film and just said <laughs> Pussy, 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 pussy. <laughs> I'd have enjoyed that a lot more. <laughs> One of the, the weird comparisons that I also made with this film, I know we've spoken about From Dust Till Dawn and how I think, yeah, obviously, you've got to see the similarities between a vampire strip club. I also, I mean, the way I interpreted this film was I didn't know when they had that weird car crash spin thing in the middle whether or not they actually died at that point and <laughs> this was all some weird fever dream i mean the character kind of coming back in the, the character of allison who was some weird memory from mm-hmm. a vacation that mm. might make more sense if it was that he was just flashing back to all yeah. these moments in his life also the ending with the rainbow <laughs> i was just like they either died or drugs happened like something yeah. something's going on here i think um, it was just the 80s yeah, <laughs> it honestly. was just a weird fever dream of the 80s. I, I also thought it was somewhat similar as well to Shaun of the Dead in the way that there's a very similar scene where they come up on the beer elevator out of the basement and then mm-hmm. they're greeted by like a street of vampires, not a street of yeah. zombies in this case. <laughs> but also AJ still being alive at the end, being yeah, fully yeah. undead yeah, yeah. and obviously Ed in Shaun of the Dead. I thought, I don't know. I mean, I'd be interested to see if that was something or if it is just a weird coincidence. But... I mean, I would be surprised if Simon Pegg and um, his friends had not seen Vamp because Absolutely. they had seen everything. Yeah. You know, they they are extremely intertextual with mm-hmm. everything they make. So I'd be very shocked if it didn't have like a small, even subconscious part. I'm surprised to hear though, Liam, that you said that they ran out of money and then Grace Jones had to source the costumes because I thought yeah. if they did run out of money, all money went on Grace Jones's costumes. Mm. Well, maybe that's why they ran out of money. I mean- <laughs> <laughs> Just to get Grace Jones there for the day, mm-hmm. I think they, they ran out. Um, that and also pink and green uh, gels for all the lights because yeah. the lighting is gorgeous. It makes absolutely oh, it no sense. Sense, but yeah. it's stunning. <laughs> yeah. I've got to kind of also maybe talk about the, the the characters in the film. So, I mean, obviously we've got our lead characters. I think I, I would argue that this film is is played for laughs more than it is for scares. And I think we've yes. obviously said plot wise, it doesn't always make the most sense. But I, I did really actually also love some of the the strippers. <laughs> I oh was, yeah, they were great. I was Iconic. Particularly partial, I think, to Cimarron, who was played by uh, bodybuilder Lisa Lyon. So, I, 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 did you guys have any favourite characters in the film yeah. aside from maybe Grace Jones? 
So I had, um, there was one point where I paused and I was talking to my housemate and there was a stripper on screen who just had this like poker straight black hair, black eyes, she had a whip in her hand. Yeah. And I was looking at her and I was like, oh, okay, as long as she's in the room. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> so me, um, and, me and you vibe with the same, same stripper. I, um, <laughs> and it's not just because I find him wildly attractive. I just really loved AJ's character. I thought there was a lot to him. What about you, Rod? Did you, did you have a favourite, favourite character? I really like everyone in this film, actually. Um, I don't think there's really any, like, dead space. Mm-hmm. I feel like each character has, like, enough visually or plot-wise where you kind of see the point in them being there. Like, there's not many, like, gratuitous, like, bodies, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I loved... My favourite moment, I think, is when Katrina rips out the heart of the um, yes. foolish... Yeah, stripper, um, <laughs> stripper worker. I think that's a really incredible moment, and like the the design, the look, the the casting, everything about that little moment is perfect. I think mm. it's so cool. It was quite shocking, actually, as well. It was I mean, quite shocking. Yeah, I loved Vic, the MC. Yeah. Amazing. I absolutely adored him. I thought he was incredible. <laughs> Just nibbling yeah. on cockroaches, saying the funniest lines. I think. Oh my yeah, god! Trying to get my, to Vegas to do a show, you know. Like, my favorite line of his was "Builder of major, major erections." <laughs> Builder of major erections, our construction engineer, hard added hands. <laughs> <laughs> I said, like, if I ever write some sort of memoir, then that's going to be the title. Hard-hatted Hannah, she's on the stage. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I've literally written it down the same. Um, but I, I think, yeah, it, it's it, it's definitely a film that I'm glad I've seen now. So thank you for opening our eyes to absolutely. it, Rod, Very welcome. because um, I don't think... I, I don't know. I've seen the pictures everywhere. I even had a poster up while I was at uni of Grace Jones as the vampire, and I've still not seen the film. So I'm glad I've I've finally uh, finally got to see it now. Mm-hmm. If we're happy to to move on then from talking about such a delightful film, mm-hmm. this is the part of the podcast where we usually talk about our recommendations, mm-hmm. and this might be one that we we obviously we don't want to make you too shy, Rod. But I think we're we're maybe going to talk a little bit about some of your stuff, and also if you want to talk about some of the stuff that you've got coming out as well so liam do you want to kick things off yeah absolutely so for once on this podcast my recommendation this month isn't a book Um, (laughs) and it's actually rod's 2016 album choreography it's been quite a formative album for me to listen to and uh in particular oh oh, sorry my uh my phone like must have knew that i was talking about you there because i think (laughs) siri i think siri was trying to play you on spotify (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the extra 0.01 cents for that there you go but, um, but yeah um, I only want to please you with the incredible icon that is animatronic mm-hmm. is one of my favourite songs I think animatronic is one of the greatest people that God ever decided to create yes um, I agree <laughs> and yeah but yeah my recommendation this month would be for anybody to listen to choreography because not only is it an incredible album it has a star studded lineup. Uh, in there in collaborations I mean that must have been a dream to to record it was so much fun I had a really really good time making that record it Mm. was I'd say like that was probably like maybe the happiest point of my life so far was like The, the little period around making that record amazing well, what's your recommendations I mean I'm, I'm going to also jump in with a, uh, a rod sized recommendation <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I said that with those words but hey ho yeah. um, I absolutely love Fun City I know that's one of your more recent albums I, I just love everyone who's involved I, I mean literally uh, I've got it kind of 
up in front of me because I've literally been listening to it today. I think it's it's an awesome album. My favourite track off that album, I, I will say, is It's Alright, It's Okay, featuring Cave Boy. I think is it's just killer. I love the artwork. I love the whole vibe of it. I love that you collaborated with so many queer artists on that album. I will also say as a side kind of recommendation i do love the remix that you did with juju as well of i used to be oh poor. thank you thank i think you. that's that's awesome i mean you've you've worked with a fair few woo girls now how uh-huh. how has that been it's been really fun it's been really really fun i'm a huge fan of that show and like what it does for you know specifically youth i think like helping them see <laughs> yeah. people just having fun and playing with art and gender and identity um and some of the people that have come out of that show have been just incredible. So I have got to work with two out of my top three of all time, which is um, Sunny. Sorry, my cat's <laughs> just attacking me. Um, Juju B and Katya are two of my three oh. all-time favorites. So I'm really happy that I got to work with them. And I've loved working with Scarlet Envy and Tia Coffey. Um, I've done something with Miss Cracker, Trinity the Talk. Like I DJed alongside, well, just before Trixie Mattel, who's great. And we like text each other once in a while. It's just so fun. I mean, that alone is just ridiculous because I I, I don't know. I I mean, I'm I'm already fangirling over just speaking to you and doing this. But yeah, I don't know how, how I'd be seeing you two collaborating on something. Uh-huh. I'd be like, oh God. It's been yeah. kind of funny, actually, because like I've been posting these mashups to Instagram as well as TikTok. And mm. like... um. Olivia Box, Detox, Bendela Creme, they've all been commenting on them. And I'm like, that's so mm. wild that like Surreal. I didn't even think that like I'm I'm friends with Ben like vaguely, but like Detox doesn't follow me. <laughs> I don't know why she's like commenting <laughs> she on does it. Now. Like, oh, how how fabulous. Like, yeah, okay, cool. Like it's just a, an odd little thing to see something you know, pop up on somebody else's radar when you're like, oh wow, like you're actually like genuinely massively famous. Yeah, um, no, for, for sure. Very strange. I, so, I mean, aside from obviously us just saying everyone at home who's listening, please go and listen to Rod's music because it is incredible. Is there anything that you've got coming up or coming out that you can tell us about or anything that we can expect? Um, I would like to recommend something of my friend, actually, versus something of my own. Um, oh. My friend Sophie uh, goes by the name Soft Lad as her solo outfit and she's also currently in the touring band for self-esteem at the moment um sophie's like she she was on stage with me actually liam not you on the screen other liam (laughs) uh at the roundhouse she was one of my two backing singers she arranged strings for choreography and for fun city um she's played with like james vincent mcmorrow she's been in a band (sighs) with um Oh my God, so many people. She's really, really talented. She can do like everything and she's finally doing her own project. And I think it's really wonderful. It's very cool pop music that has like a really good, like one foot in the nineties, which I love one foot in like very current trends. And it's just, yeah, she's great. She can do anything and she's going to take over the world one day. So I please listen to soft lad. She's amazing. Absolutely. I'm a, yeah, I'm already stuck in their Instagram as we speak. So. <laughs> <laughs> amazing, amazing. So I suppose we, we now come to the part of the podcast on this very special episode uh, where we usually share a horror hookup story. Now, this is a submission that's been sent to us. It starts out with a, a lovely little note to us both, which has made me really happy. But it's also our first sapphic submission which makes me really happy. Let's go, lesbians, let's go. Um, (laughs) So I'll just reiterate before I do get into it that they do want to remain anonymous because they're not fully out to everyone. So just to be on the safe side. But um, 
yeah. So I'm just going to read the nice little note that they put, and then I'm going to get deep into this story because this this was when I was reading this, I was at work and I was um, <laughs> waiting for a very important meeting with a very important governing body here in the UK. And <laughs> Definitely like, appropriate for work yeah. then, yeah. And I was like, oh, let me just have a quick read through that. And I was reading it. And then all I heard was like, I had my head down like this and I was on I was on Skype. And all I heard was, hi. And I was like, like my face was audibly shocked reading it. So just um, a trigger warning out there for anybody who doesn't like descriptions of bodily fluids. That's <laughs> just... Um, there's there's some blood in this one. Um, oh my so, God. Yeah. Okay. so I'll just start off with a nice little note. And they just said, Hi folks, before I get into the grisly details, I just want to say it's been a joy discovering your podcast and it's made me laugh far too many times to count. Please keep the, the, up the amazing work that you do and thank you for everything. Anyway, I know what you're waiting for, so let's dive in. <laughs> okay, let's dim the lights and light the candles. It's a horror hookup story. <laughs> It was a hot, humid summer, and my friends dragged me to a bar in London just for lesbians, not long after I came out to them. It was a fun night, and there was this gorgeous, gorgeous girl who was dominating the dance floor, and I thought to myself, yeah, I want her to dominate me too. But me being a shy, awkward baby gay, I just occasionally looked over and did that weird half-smile that white folks seem to always do. Right, so I'm sitting there bopping along and sipping my drink, when the dance floor goddess comes over to me, grabs my hand, and drags me to the dance floor. It was like a movie. My friends were cheering me on, this girl was beaming, and I was just dumbfounded. Anyway, we start dancing, and she makes a move, and we start lip-sync on the dance floor. While she's all up on my neck, she whispers in my ear, I want you, and drags me to the toilets. Now, at this point, my heart is doing overtime, and I'm nervous, but I think YOLO, and just go with it. We get into a stall, and I won't go into full detail, but I end up going down on her. I'm doing my thing, and it sounds like I'm doing a bang-up job, and she tastes incredible, but then I feel a weird texture. Um, I think nothing of it, but then there it is again, and it catches my tongue bar. I, like, pull my tongue back, but hear a weird noise and a sharp pain. My head bounces back, and there is blood filling my mouth. Dance floor goddess looks at me with wide eyes and starts freaking out. I feel like I'm going to pass out, throw up, and explode all at the same time. She, like, sits me on the toilet and takes a look to see what's up, and that's when her face drops. She starts frantically apologizing, while at the same time starts putting her hand up her skirt. I'm like, is this girl really getting turned on by this? But then she pulls out what looks like a weird broken stick. She explains that it was too hot when she was on her way to the club, so she went to the shop, got an ice ollie, and put it in her pum-pum to cool down. I choked back laughter and blurred. I'm going to need a minute, I'm sorry. Okay. So I choked back laughter and blood while she uses the torch on her phone to look in my mouth. Anyway, long story short, but I spend a few hours in A&E where I have a splinter in my tongue. I've seen Dancehall Goddess out a few times since, but I try to avoid it because it's embarrassing. So yeah, hope you enjoyed that one. I'm hoping to be the first lesbian horror story on the podcast, but I'm not out to everyone just yet. So let's just call me T. Good luck out there, lesbians. <laughs> Why is she embarrassed? She didn't have like a lollipop up her puss. Like... <laughs> 
Why would you do that? I d- I, when There's a lot she said to unpack. Yeah, when she said that she started to feel a strange texture, when I was reading it, I was like, I don't know where this is going. But because I was waiting for this meeting to start, I was like, I just need to scroll. As soon as I saw Ice Lolly, I was like, <laughs> this, I'm back in. Is that a thing? I don't think that's a thing. It um, definitely shouldn't be a thing. <laughs> no, I, I can't imagine. A, it's any good for the pH balance. I can't imagine. <laughs> Too, that it feels comfortable when it melts. I can't imagine the no. nuts. But also, um, you'd remember it was there to take the you stick out. You would remember surely. that you put a nice dolly like inside you. Yeah. Um, wow. I want to. I, I wow. wonder what ice dolly it was. <laughs> That's <laughs> like a zoom, perhaps, or a twister. Twister. Or like, I, yeah. I was going twister. Uh, one yeah. of those uh, fruit pastel ones because that's quite yeah. thin. <laughs> I see. My head immediately went to mini milk, but then I was like, they, pro- they probably don't do mini milks anymore. Plus, <laughs> but this was obviously a long time ago because in central London there isn't a specific lesbian bar anymore. No, no, no there used to be that under that one underground. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, I can't remember. It's been many moons since I went so, out in London. I was yeah, I was trying to place that historically. That's an interesting tale. Yeah, it used to be across the road from GAY Bar, didn't it? Yeah. Uh, sorry, I uh, there's there's me trying mm. to do a mental mind map mm. of, of um, many nights out in London. <laughs> See back which in the corner day. shop she might have got the ice lolly from. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah Jeez, that, was, that was our horror hookup this month, and wow. um, it's. I mean, it is quite a warm day, and it is quite humid, so it's quite a fitting one in the end. And, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know if I'm going to rush to my freezer to grab a to grab a lolly, but maybe you know. not. Maybe not today. No, no, no. no. Keep keep you posted. Keep you posted. Mm. Um, but yeah, no. Thank you so much for that submission, um, and thank you so much for the lovely note. It means so much to hear from. It does. People, yeah, so. I've um, yeah, never received fan mail before. It's usually, <laughs> yeah. Usually Rod, how do you deal with this? <laughs> Obviously, we're going to get a lot more. So, how how do you deal with uh, with fan mail? Um, you know, it depends whether it's nice or whether it's someone being uh, violent. I suppose. Um, <laughs> You know, it's most people are quite nice on the yep. whole. Actually, no, that's a lie. Lots of people <laughs> are quite nice. Lots of people are very strange. This lady seems very fun, and um, and it's yeah, it's good that she's like connected with the show. Yeah, you know, yeah. so um, yeah. she's a good one. We'll yeah, have to come absolutely. and see you at a gig sometime, Bod, and uh, throw some ice lolly sticks on stage and then you'll know well, I, I will be, be right in London there. on July 15th doing a show so you know feel free to come mm. down leave the lollies at home <laughs> <laughs> yeah, amazing um, I suppose that kind of brings the, the episode to a close but I mean it's been a fantastic episode and I can't thank you enough Rod for obviously jumping on and doing this with us I'd love to obviously uh, give you the floor now so you can plug away and tell people where they can find you if they, they haven't found you already and uh where to follow you if that's okay so yep all of the social media handles are at brightlightx2 um that's you know twitter tiktok instagram youtube facebook what even other ones are there all of them basically they're all brightlightx2 um i try to be you know as responsive and engaging as i can be um i love to meet people and talk to people i love to help other musicians and like share people's work so i do little playlists and basically if you go to the website brightlightx2.com all the social links are there and you can see very clearly like where to send songs to if you want them on a playlist or um any suggestions you can always just at me or whatever and i will do my best to get through them all and say hi (laughs) thank you so i think that about wraps this up we've had a great in-depth discussion no (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what have we had, Liam? 
I'm going to keep that in. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that about brings us to an end of this fantastic Pride special. Don't worry, though, because there is still more to come. I just want a big... You just want a big what? (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll put my teeth back in. Sorry. (laughs) I just want to say a big thank you. Uh, to Rod, to Bright Light, Bright Light. Uh, yeah, thank you thank so you. much for coming on. Oh, you're very welcome. It really means a lot to us, uh, especially of how incredibly busy you must be at the moment. So from the queerest part of my heart, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so, so much for for, for jumping on the podcast. It, it does mean a lot that you're supporting us talking about horror and stupid things and I don't know, stories lollies. about ice lollies. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> I can't believe we read that in front of you. I am so sorry. Um, but yeah, if, if it's okay, uh, I'd love for you to sign us out of this episode. So take it away. Until next time, remember that closets were not made for people. They were made for monsters and babysitter killers. Stay safe. Stay fabulous. podcast on the super freak media podcast network to show your support be sure to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on and you can find us on social media in the links in the description of this episode thank you for listening